Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The college football world, hell, the entire planet, still reeling from Nick Saban v. Jimbo Fisher. What that was, was a verbal slap fight for the ages. A couple of old rich dudes emptying both barrels on each other. One dude effectively calling the other a cheater. And then the other one calling him a narcissist and saying that he should have been slapped upside his head. So who you got? Who you got? The 70-year-old who eats Little Debbie's or the grown man named Jimbo? The dude with the reddest ass ever or the dude with the thinnest skin ever? A classic case of ass v. skin. I love that matchup. Ass v. skin. So are you Team Nick Tater or are you Team Jimbo? Or are you like Lane Kiffin and just about everybody else in the sport just cackling out your ass and watching it play out? <laughs> Kiffin told Bruce Feldman, quote, I'm speechless. First time in my life. I kept saying, this can't really be happening. Is this real life? I still haven't moved from my seat. Should have been on pay-per-view. End of quote. Yet again, I am Team Kiffin. Because the whole thing really is so awesome. I love it all. Just like I love AM's athletic director running to the conference commissioner to complain that Saban had violated the SEC sportsmanship bylaws with his comments. He actually did that. He actually said that. To which I would respond with, Right, because sportsmanship is the most important thing here. Sportsmanship is what's at stake here. But I do love it. I love that that was his response. Like, I want to say, why don't you all man the hell up? But I don't want any of them to man the hell up. I want them to keep being children. Thin-skinned and butthurt is the very best way to go through life. The only thing I hate about this was Nick Saban going into his backpedal like he was Deion Sanders, about singling out Deion Sanders and a and with this garbage and bullcrap on Sirius XM last night. That was a mistake, and I really apologize for that part of it. I really wasn't saying that anybody did anything illegal in using name, image, and likeness. I, I, I didn't say that. That, that, that was something that was assumed by what I said, which is not really what I meant, nor was it what I said. So no, there's nothing illegal about doing this. It's the system that allows right. you to do it, and that's the issue that I have. Come on with that, man. Did you get the hell out of here with that non-apology? I do not accept that non-apology. Saying that something sucks is not a take, but that take sucks so much. That's the worst part of this whole thing. There is absolutely no need for that crap. That apology slash non-apology is the real violation of the sportsmanship code. That's the real cheating in this case. Cheating all of us out of what we really want. More of the red ass. More of the butthurt. So that's a really lame apology. And I am, for one, not accepting it, Nick. And I'll be even more pissed if Jimbo flips from his take yesterday and he accepts that apology slash non-apology. Nor do I need to hear Saban saying that he wants to, quote, clarify what he said. 
You can get that crap out of here as well. Your clarification is an even worse idea than your apology. Because what you said on Wednesday was perfectly clear. You said, quote, A&M bought every player on their team. A&M bought every player on their team. End of quote. No need to clarify that. That's clear as hell. You said what you said. You knew what you were saying. You meant it. And it was awesome. Don't be looking to clarify something that's clear as day, Nick. No one's asking for your clarification on where you stand on this issue, Nick. We already know. Just as we know what this is really about, Nick, what this is really about is you being butthurt. It's because Fisher beat your ass on the field, he beat your ass in recruiting, and you didn't win the national championship. These are all things that you're not used to dealing with. And with NIL, things are changing quickly. Others are doing a better job of it than you are. And you know it. That's why you lit Fisher up. Because it's getting away from you. Because you know that you may no longer be the standard. So save your sanctimonious bullcrap about the glories of amateurism. And players going to a school for player and personal development. And do not insult us with that nonsense. It's not about that. It's about you getting your ass kicked and others doing a better job than you in dealing with the new realities and the reality that you no longer control everything. Not if your former assistants who are 17 and a half point dogs are kicking your ass on the field. And I'm not sure it pisses him off more. The fact that he lost to A&M or the fact that A&M is so freaking proud that they won. Because the Aggies have been celebrating that like they won five national titles. Saban wants everybody to know they didn't win it because they're good. They didn't win it because the coach is a good recruiter. He wants everybody to know they won it because they, quote, bought every player on their team. And then bought every player on their team. And don't you come up in here, Nick, and try and take that back. What, the best thing ever? You can't take back that line. You can't jam that line back into the toothpaste tube. You can't jam that cow back into the barn. You can't unring that bell. You said it. And you know it hurt AM badly. Hurt them to their core. Because AM hasn't won Jack. Believe me, Fisher is no better than Saban. Him jumping up on his high horse is also rich as hell. And given how he's telling everybody to look into how Saban did what he's done... Fisher better not have anything to hide himself because it's not like they've won anything that's mattered there in this lifetime. Hell, that recruiting title was their national title. They haven't even won one of those since 1939. Even Michigan can't believe how hard the Aggies have been dining out on a lack of national success for the past 70 years. A&M is little brother in so many different ways. Little brother, brother in the SEC. Little brother, brother in their own state. Little brother, brother finally thought they had a seat at the adults' table. Finally. And then, oh, Rich jumping in. That a boy, Pops. Thank you. They, you're welcome. Come on. They Come finally on. thought they had a seat. Little brother at brother. the adults' table, only to have dad, Saban, Say, get your ass back to the kids' table with all the other toddlers. Like I said, Saban is butthurt, 
and Fisher is thin-skinned. The way he snapped about this being an attack on his integrity and AM's integrity was pretty awesome for all of us, but not a good look for him. Like that temper tantrum that Jimbo threw yesterday sure did make it sound like he had something to hide, didn't it? He used the word despicable. It's despicable. About a billion times. He called Saban a narcissist. A narcissist. Which is hilarious because any big time college head coach calling another big time head college head coach a narcissist, a narcissist. is classic pot v kettle. It's ridiculous. Yet he kept on going. He practically accused Saban of cheating himself. Jimbo's out here shouting out things like this. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. Yeah, it my, really is. My bad. My bad. Did I say that he practically accused Saban of cheating? He flat out accused Saban of cheating and flat out accused him of being a bad guy because he knows because he worked with him. And that's why he never went back to work with him again, because he's a bad guy. So again, why is A&M taking this so personally? Why are they so hurt? Is it because it's true? You went 8-4 and four last year. You lost to Arkansas, Mississippi State, and an LSU team that had already fired its coach. You've got one top five finish in your time at A&M. And when you freak out like that and you complain about integrity and sportsmanship, it sure makes it seem like you're doing something wrong. And by the way, even if you are cheating, who cares? It's the SEC. The C in SEC stands for cheating. As a longtime former SEC head coach told Feldman, quote, if you ain't doing 85 in a 55, you're going to get your ass beat in today's world, end quote. In other words, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And if you get called out for cheating, you freak the hell out and you call everybody despicable. It's despicable. It's so good. It better not be going anywhere either. They've got to see each other in a couple of weeks at the SEC spring meetings. Then they face each other on October 8th. I can't wait for that pregame handshake or punch. To quote the great Mills Lane, let's get it on. That's when you know what the answer to that question is. Huh? Let's get it on. Stop apologizing. Stop clarifying. Just let them hands go. You know you want to. Believe me, we all want to see it. I don't cheat and I don't lie. Listen, the cat's out of the bag, boys. There's no need to class this thing up anymore. Taking the high road is not on the map. Don't be better. Just be bitter. All right, we didn't buy one player. Don't be better. Be bitter. Somebody should have slapped him. Hey, guys, let me ask you something. What are you doing when it comes to skincare? Yeah, that's what I thought. You probably have no routine whatsoever. Bad play. But this is where Tej Hanley comes in. Tej Hanley is a men's skincare company that helps guys start and maintain a healthy skincare routine by making the process uncomplicated. That's your problem. You don't have a plan, but you need one and now you do. As an example, let me recommend to you the Skincare System Level 1. It's the easiest way to get started, and it comes with all the basics that you need to take care of your skin. 
The products included are a face wash, an exfoliating scrub, an AM moisturizer, and a PM moisturizer. Listen, you may think that you don't need a skincare routine, but you do. Trust me. I know I do. I'm in front of a camera every single day, so I take this seriously. And this plan and this routine work perfectly for me and in my process. But don't take my word for it. Tish Hanley has over 5,000 five-star reviews. 5,000 plus five-star reviews on their website from customers worldwide. And because Tish Hanley is sponsoring today's episode, they are offering you a great deal. Just go to tiege.com slash Rome and you'll get 30% off your first box plus a free gift. That's T-I-E-G-E dot com slash Rome. It's an amazing deal. T-I-E-G-E dot com slash Rome. Jarvis Landry is my guest. Jarvis, it's been a minute or two since you and I have spoken. How are you doing, and how does it feel to be a member of the New Orleans Saints? Man, thank you for having having me on. It has been a minute. Um, it's a it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing. It's a dream come true to be able to play for, you know, the hometown team and uh, have opportunity to do some big things. Jarvis, it's great to have you back on. So, for the folks who are not from Louisiana and did not go to LSU, can you take a moment and explain what that connection to the state is like and why it's so special to be playing at home once again? Yeah, I mean, it's a place where, you know, football is, is, is religion, you know. Um, it's it's a culture that's embedded in the culture from from, um, from childhood, you know, and it's something that means a lot to um, to the state of Louisiana. Um, and uh, I know for me, being able to play high school ball, college ball, and now play um, at the highest of, of all levels um, back in Louisiana, like I said, it's, it's a blessing, it's surreal. Jarvis Landry is joining us now. I know that you and Jameis Winston have had a number of conversations during the decision-making process. What were those conversations like, and what did you take away from them? Um, I, honestly, I just took away like the leadership that that Jameis possessed. You know, um, um, I've always been a fan of Jameis. Um, I've watched his career um, over the past couple of years, and I think for me, just our conversation, just understand his leadership. Um, what he was looking for at this point in his career, um, the things that, you know, he was trying to accomplish from a team perspective and, you know, as as an individual was something that really just stuck out stuck out to me. And uh, and he I, I believe in him, you know, like he really convinced me, you know, to 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 continue to believe in him, you know, and um that was something that really drew my, my interest into to joining the Saints. Jarvis Landry is joining us. And then on top of that, of course, you've got a receiver's room. Jarvis, I'm going to say it's pretty special. And then you're going to come in and take it to another level. When you look at the talent of guys like yourself, a healthy Michael Thomas, also Chris Olave, how good can this group be? Man, we could be special. You know, it's it's for us, we got to, you know, learn from each other, you know, play for each other. Um, make the plays that come to us, you know, each guy, myself, Mike, Chris, you know, um, a couple other guys that's going to help us this year just, you know, continue to be who they are. You know, I think if we just all continue to be who we are, um, you know, we're going to make things happen.
All right, so Jarvis, like when you talk about who you are, it seems to me, and this is my take, that when you show up, you're not looking you. You're not looking to just show up and put up numbers. You are looking to help change the culture, impact the culture. As an example, when you arrived in Cleveland, they had won just one game in the previous two seasons. They were the laughing stock of the league, and I think that you were the face of that turnaround. How were you able to change and impact the culture the way you did there? Yeah, I mean, the culture of New Orleans is already set, right? You know, they've they've been able to, you know, be one and two in that division for a long time. Um, they've been able to make uh, a few playoff runs. Um, I think, you know, for me, you know, I always want to go into a situation, you know, I'm a leader by example, so I always want to go into a situation not talking much, just working, you know, and paying attention to everything, obviously respecting the leaders and the culture that's already embedded. Um, and then finding my niche, you know, finding what, where I can step in um, and from a leadership standpoint, also from uh, a player standpoint as a receiver, you know, a mentor, um, as a vet, you know, just finding, finding my lane and where I can fit in with this team. Um, that way when the season starts and as the season goes, you know, it has a good flow to it. Um, and the things that the New Orleans Saints believe in and, something that is is in me too i'm sure listen i get that i understand that and you're going to be more about action than what you actually say per se however there was that legendary speech in the receivers room back in cleveland Mm -hmm. about being a professional about practicing until your leg falls off i mean it was awesome i think from the outside looking in i thought it was awesome what do you remember about that speech and then the impact it had on everybody else yeah i i think um you know that's one of the things that um was a big part of of the turnaround in Cleveland. Obviously, you know, it wasn't only me. You know, it wasn't only me winning games. It wasn't only me um, leading guys. Um, um, But that was something that um, definitely helped change the mindset in the receiver room, you know. And then, you know, as I began to have more conversations with other players in different positions, you know, then those things from a mindset standpoint begin to change. And you get the right type of guys in the building um, you know, you can change your culture, you know. Um, but I'm grateful to say that, you know, I, I left, you know, Cleveland better than, you know, the, the position that I found it in. And, you know, in, in life and in all things that we do, we all aspire to do that. So I'm happy about it. Jarvis Landry joining us. I want to ask you something. I want to be pointed about this. I think you did. You absolutely left that situation better than the situation you inherited or went into. I get that it's a business, but I want you to help me with this. It's a different kind of business, right? Business is business, but this is a business where you fight through certain injuries and you make certain sacrifices. And if you lay it all out there for the organization, and then the organization doesn't do probably everything in its power to fight to keep you. Does that hurt? Does that sting? What does that feel like? Uh, yeah, of course it does. You know, um, but uh, as as I'm understanding, as as many guys have before me have understood, and, and guys after me will understand that. You know, it's it's about what you can do for me now. You know, and um, um, you know the the loyalty only extends to a certain to a certain extent and you know being able to go in and do your job each and every day to the highest level leaving it all out there on the field is all you can do you know and um all my brothers that's in the league now and you know after me you know like i'll always just tell you you know like um just do your part and let the rest take care of itself that'll be my only you know advice and 
you know, at the end of the day, um, you'll have to live with it, you know what I'm saying? So uh, when the smoke clears and, you know, everything is settled, um, you kind of look back at, at, at your, your career as I look back, um, being traded twice, well, being traded and then being released. Um, um, it's, you know, it's eye-opening this business side of it, things, but it doesn't change the way that I approach the game, the way that I train, um, and the things that I want to accomplish from a team perspective and as an individual while I still have this window to be able to do the, the, play the game that I love, you know? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I think that response right there, I think that's real. I think that's professional. I think that's powerful. I think that's even bigger than the NFL, man. That's some life stuff right there. That's the kind of thing you tell your kids. That's the kind of thing you tell your friends. That That's a really powerful statement I think you just made. So Tyron comes back home. You come back home. Odell does not have a team at that moment. How badly would you like for him to be on this team? And if you try to recruit him, <laughs> I think I think uh, any any team, um, you know, when he's healthy, would love to have a guy like that on their roster. You know, um, he's a tremendous player. He's a tremendous leader. Um, obviously, you know, he has the God-given ability to to change a game, to take a game over. Um, and that's, you know, I, I, I suspect that that's going to be the same um, thing that, you know, when he comes back healthy um, that he can do. So um, I would love to have him be a saint, but, you know, I, I know that will be no small task, but we'll try to figure it out. Trust me. Jarvis Landry joining me for another moment or so. So I spoke with Tyron recently, and knowing him, knowing how you operate, I know that neither of you are there just because it's a nice story to come home. You're there to win, and you're there to win big. Have you allowed yourself to think about what it might feel like to win a Super Bowl with the Saints? You know what? I haven't. I haven't actually taken a moment, right, to to you know tell you what that feeling would be to win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, period. You know, and obviously to win the Super Bowl in the state that I grew up in and played most of my football in. Um, I haven't took a moment to 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 understand what that feeling w- would be, but. Um, I'm looking forward to doing everything I possibly can um, on my end to making sure that you know when we have this conversation again at the end of the suit at the end of the year when the Saints are holding that Super Bowl trophy, I'll be able to tell you what it feels like. It, that's really interesting. Really quickly, so like why some people have this image and they try to burn that image kind of into their mental hard drive and it's always there. And you just said, no, I have not allowed myself to think about that. In fact, I generally don't think about that. Is that just a matter of you always being where your feet are, or why do you not think about that? Uh, I mean, I think, listen, naturally I train to be a champion. You know, naturally everybody work in the off season to be a champion. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, it still comes down to the process, you know, and um, like you said, being where your feet, feet are. You know, there are a lot of games before that game actually takes place, you know, and um, – um, you know, and I think that that's kind of where my mind is and where my mindset is. You know, I, obviously I train to be a champion. Everything that we do, we aspire to, you know, be the best at it and, you know, be recognized for it. And um, in this sport, you know, it doesn't come, you know, after the first game, the second game, after a winning streak, after a losing losing streak. You know, it, it comes when it comes. And that's something that I've realized. And, you know, so I've just set my intentions on, like you say, day-to-day, be where my feet at be where my feet are, um, and, and hopefully at the end of all of this, you know, we all rewarded, you know, in the New Orleans Saints organization.
It clearly works. He's a five-time Pro Bowler. I laid out the numbers as well. Jarvis Landry joining us once again on the show. Man, it is so good to have you back, Jarvis, on the program. I really appreciate you. I appreciate that conversation. And great to have you back, man. Good luck. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and Samer next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. Really quickly, I mentioned it's Mac off season, and I want to hear from the legends. Gino in San Antonio called yesterday. He qualifies as that. He told this unbelievable story, and by unbelievable, I mean like, a bullcrap story about how Scotty Pippen <laughs> was promoting his bourbon and that Gino had this incredible Jungle Tourette's moment where he was in a store with Scotty Pippen and shouted out, no tipping Pippen. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Gino, man. <laughs> that's really funny, but that's not true. And then nobody believed it. And Gino's really pissed that nobody believed his story. And he's on hold. All right, I'm going to get there, Gino. However, I want to talk about this for a minute. I want to talk about the bigger picture. If you only now are coming out of a coma or you're fresh out of witness protection, I got a heads up for you. We are, in fact, in midst of smack off season or, according to Ricky in Seattle, smackdown season. Smackdown, smackdown, smackdown. Whatever you're calling it, we are inching closer by the day to the day, the biggest day. On the jungle calendar, the biggest day on the industry calendar, there are only 23 shows. Did you hear what I said? 23 shows between today and Smack Off 28. It's not that many at all. The buildup is about to get a lot more serious. We're starting to get the legends. They're coming in. The player profiles begin next week. Even crazier. Alvi's promo allegedly drops next week, which is incredible. And I mean that in the most literal sense. Incredible. Unbelievable. Because that's what Papa Roach, Papa Roach on the other side of the glass is trying to tell me. He's saying that he's going to deliver his world famous promo by the end of the week. Which I will believe when I hear it. I feel like it's way more likely he will be creating, or in this case, procreating and delivering another baby by the end of next week. I'll just be happy if we get that promo before the week of or the day of. Alvi, know this. I don't need it after the fact. We don't need to play a promo on the Monday after. All right, Alvin? So if you don't get it by the 24th, don't sweat it at all because that's the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. June 24th. Smack off 28, which means it's time to get in here and get your business done. Whether that means an RSVP call or swinging for a golden ticket, this is the damn time. There's nothing better than clones coming out of the woodwork during smack off season, which yesterday is exactly how the show ended, in case you missed it. Wild, wild deal yesterday. Otis in Austin reappeared. And if my math is correct... He reappeared for the first time in 17 years. He reappeared to RSVP. Even though he does not have an invite, he wanted to RSVP. Tom Cruise can make a comeback after almost 40 years. 
do a sequel to the Top Gun, and Otis can rise up out of the mothballs and try an RSBP for that there smack-off. Hey, Rome, I hear that Jim and Fall Rivers entered a mule and a preakness. That's whack. Speaking of horse racing, Jim, I, I got a couple of suggestions for names for your future hay burners. Go with softball guy, or my personal favorite, Poncho E. Tyrone. War Steve Elkington, War Nolan Ryan, War Eva Knievel, and that little know-it-all bastard Bob Truax, who burned up Gus Grissom, Tom Cotton, the rest of them astronauts under Cape Canaveral. Oh, no! Like, my dude Otis vanished in the mid-aughts. He last competed in a smack-off in 05, if you couldn't tell from his content. And while it's great to hear his voice and great to have him back, he's not actually in the field yet. Otis called up here all like, we haven't talked in two decades, Rome, but yeah, I'll come to your wedding. Mark me down for a filet. And you better have some of that there. Tito's waiting for me too. As great as it was, and always is, to hear from throwback clones, what I really am looking for is fresh blood, new voices, new energy, and we got some of that this week as well. In fact, I'm still trying to kind of process Brandon in New Jersey's debut. That was Tuesday, because this dude comes out of absolutely nowhere, and while I might not know him, this dude knows all about the show. And, Jimmy, it might be a waste of my time to bully all these clowns that won't be a factor day of, but I guess we should talk about Chris in Southeast Wisco while we're here. The hell happened to you, Chris? Weren't you supposed to be enforcing all this crap? Joe Judge thinks you talked yourself out of a job, dude. Hey, Chris, how on earth, the day after Kyrie promotes himself to Nets front office, did you manage to promote yourself to Jungle Sheriff or whatever you said without even mentioning it? Without even a hint of irony, Chris. Oh, and it says here you've endorsed precisely nothing so far. Throw hips, not hands. The hell kind of enforcing is that? Dude, and while we're explaining the context of different sound drops in the show, maybe you come on here and extrapolate on this quote-unquote dynasty that you keep slapping your trap about on this show. Like, what are we even doing here? Listen, I'm not going to say that's the best first call that I've ever heard. I mean, not even top five, if I'm being honest, but pretty damn good. Maybe not golden ticket good, but definitely instant watch list good. That's the type of thing I'm looking for. It could be you, clones. It could be any of you. This is why you need to call up and shoot your shot. Everybody starts at the very bottom. This is how this works. Even for the GOAT. Brad in Corona, but one call can change everything. Bradley, for example, called here and was rejected for an entire week before he finally did get on the air and did this. Okay, I wanted to hit on the NBA Finals for a bit. I don't want to talk about Kobe or KG or PP. I only want to talk about the abundance of oil on Doc Rivers' nose and forehead. Hey, Doc. You're not supposed to sweat more than your players when all you do for 48 minutes is sit on the sidelines yelling out, That's a foul! Romy, be honest. Have you ever seen a face that oily before? I mean, it's no wonder oil's trading at $133 a barrel. Doc's been hoarding it all on his face for the past two months. George Bush wants to send troops to occupy Doc Rivers' nose. 
hey, when this thing's all over, Romy, and the Lakers win the championship in seven, <clears throat> lose tonight by 20, maybe we could get a team of scientists to quarantine Mr. Rivers and determine how I can power my car from what comes off Doc's face every game. War Lakers in seven. War Phil Jackson playing all of the uncircumcised Euros in his lineup at the same time. The amazing thing about Brad is the guy showed up and made that call with a certain swag and drip like he'd already won five smack-offs, like he'd been doing it for 15 years. That's how you knew he was different. I mean, I'm not going to say that I knew right then and there that he would ultimately end up the GOAT, but you could tell right then and there that was a different breed. So that was a first-time call. That, that was not a smack-off winning call. That was the first time he ever called the show right into the jungle rafters, and the guy's been hanging banners ever since. Once again, it could be any of you listening right now. Remember... I'm the damn idol maker. Don't you ever forget that. There could be a career for you in the making if you come up in here. There could be five gur in it for you if you come up in here. All you got to do is blow in here out of nowhere and blow us all away like the legendary Mike in San Diego did way back in 2010. Romy, Mike. the Giants win the pennant. 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 Jimmy, I just want to chime in on the... The Giants winning the pennant. Yeah, they won the pennant, Jimmy. Yeah, they did. (laughs) I just wanted to chime in on the Let's Get Weird series. You know, this this World Series gave new meaning to the phrase Rocktober. I don't know what's cooler, Van Smack. The fact that the Texas Rangers dug up Frank Zappa and made him their pitching coach or that the Giants put Rick Ocasek at the front end of their starting rotation. And let's not forget that one team had a guy named Elvis, and the other team had the lead singer for the Beach Boys to put that final nail in the other team's coffin. And you know what, Jim? They were all outstanding in their field. Hey, Jim, can I have a drug test, please? I think I can do that for you. There it is. Hey, Frisco fan. Pass the duchy from the left-hand side. You know, Jim, not only did Juan Uribe and Edgar Renteria provide a lot of leather from the left side, they also provided plenty of free cron for the stoners in the city by the Bay Area Laboratory Cooperative. Romy, I'm so glad Bruce Bochy decided to bench Kung Fu Panda. Remember, Jim, when Doc Holliday dropped that bunt? and Kung Fu couldn't find the bag? How can a guy that fills up an entire ballpark not find the bag? Heck, Jim, remember when Kung Fu Panda rounded third and second and first and home without even moving? I love that kid, Ira Linscombe, Van Smack. He's a total freak. I miss that dude so much. What an absolute icon and legend of the program. R.I.P. Mike. He passed away. He was so awesome. Such a great call. I have such an enormous smile on my face right now. That guy, he was something else. It could be you. As great as that call was. Most long time, long tooth clones will tell you the two best 
first ever phone calls came from, whether you like it or not, Jeff in Southfield, who's been showing up this week, and JD in Nashville, a call that I may play on the other side of this because it was so amazing. What I'm saying to you is shoot your shot. You know the standard. I'm looking for lightning in a bottle. I'm looking for some fresh blood, some new meat. Get up in here. Take a damn hack. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? DJ Reed is my guest. DJ, good to have you back. How are you? What's good, Jim? I appreciate the introduction, man. You made me sound like I'm about to be in the Hall of Fame. My man. Dude, you are. You're in the Jungle Hall of Fame, the Jim Rome Radio Hall of Fame, and you might get it to to Canton one day. (laughs) Listen. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. It's great to hear your voice. So you and I spoke on May 21st of last year. A ton has happened Mm -hmm. for you since then. Catch me up. How's your life? How you doing? And how are things now overall? Man, life is, man, life is great. Phenomenal. I mean, God has been blessing me, especially in 2022. I mean, I had the two interception game, um, you know, just got paid, uh, just signed an extension with the Jets for three years. Um, I have a baby on the way, going to be a girl dad. So, I mean, man, oh, man, God's been blessing me. I'm, I'm blessed, bro. Man, that is super. That is so good to hear. DJ Reed is joining us. You know, you and I have talked in the past, and you are, really are the definition of never, ever giving up. And because of that and the work you put in, you had opportunities when it came to free agency. So what was the free agency experience like for you? And then ultimately, what made you feel like New York and the Jets is where you wanted to be? Yeah, man, for me, the free agency experience was – Definitely interesting. You know, there were a lot of teams that thought highly of me, which was pretty cool to see. Um, And there were also teams that didn't think as highly of me. A few teams um, that just see me as a nickel primarily because of my height. And, um, you know, it really came down to three teams, the Seahawks, uh, Denver, Denver Broncos, and uh, the New York Jets. And, um, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go. You know, I wanted to stay in Seattle, but obviously I was going to go to whoever offered the most. And, um, you know, Russell, you know, I was a little encouraged by Russell because he wanted me to be in Denver. So, you know, he reached out to me and told told me that the GM and uh, the head coach and the D.C., they all want me there. So I spoke with all of them, and, you know, it just ended up coming down to the numbers. And um, just the opportunity in New York was just, you know, I just feel like they were building something great. And on top of that, you know, they have the number four and number 10 pick. 
and they had 230 picks. And um, they told me that they were going to go get a safety, which that ended up being Jordan Whitehead. So for me, you know, it just made sense. And then I already knew Sala and I already knew, you know, most of the people there on the staff with T.O., my position coach, and Ricky Manning. So it just made sense to go to New York. T.J. Reed is joining us. There is so much good stuff in that reaction. You mentioned Salah. I had Solomon Thomas on the show recently, and we talked about why he wanted to join the Jets and work with Robert Salah again. I mean, what is it about Salah that makes him so special, and how much are you looking forward to working with him once again? Yeah, I think with Salah, it's just it's simple. I think he just holds guys accountable. So, like, when you're a head coach or just any coach, holding everybody accountable to the same, to the same, you know, same extent is very important you know some guys are held accountable depending on you know what they're getting paid etc cetera, etc cetera. but when you, you know when you play for Sala and even Kyle when I was in you know on the Niners they hold everybody to the same standard and for me I want to be held to that same standard and you know they work you know what I mean we're, we're working so like that's like the main reason and also just his demeanor and just you know he's a real dude so he just has the respect to everybody in the locker room. Talking to DJ Reed, now you've made the point that as a corner, if you do not have confidence, you're going to get beat. And even if you do have confidence, you're still going to get beat. You're having a lot of success. I'm curious, how much of being a cornerback is about mindset and having a great mental approach on every single play? Yeah, man, it's everything. And for me, it just starts with my, my real life and just my preparation every week, every day. You know, for me, every day I wake up and my goal is to be the best version of myself. And I feel like if I don't live up to that, then I'm selling myself short. I'm selling my team short. I'm selling my family short. And I feel like I'm selling God short because, you know, we have one physical life and, you know, you want to empty the tank out. That's really what I believe in. Like, you want to empty the tank. When it's time to go, when you leave this earth, you want to empty the tank. Like, there's so many people that have, so much untapped potential and they die and they didn't even get to do what they really want to do. They didn't impact anybody's life, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, that's always in the back of my mind. Like you just want to empty the tank before you leave the earth. Bro. I think that you just tapped on the secret. I think you have the secret sauce. I think you have the answer. I think, <laughs> I think you figured it out. I mean, that, that literally is it. Where did that come from? Who put that in your head, or did you come to that yourself? I wouldn't say I came to that myself. You know, I have a resilience coach, and uh, we talk about stuff like this. And, you know, just changing your mindset and your perspective and really just looking at the bigger picture, it just makes your – it makes the work and everything you do much easier because, you know, guys get burnt out from just overworking, but they don't really have the mindset of where they want to go and what they're ultimately doing. They don't look at the bigger picture. So for me, it's just always, you know, adapting to my environment. But most importantly, it's about looking at that bigger picture and knowing like, okay, everything. I look at everything from a positive perspective, even if I get injured or whatever the case may be, there's always room to grow. There's always room to improve in whatever like I'm doing. DJ Reed is my guest. All right, DJ. So, like, guys have head coaches. They have position coaches. They have uh, nutritional people. They've got chefs. They've got trainers. You have a resilience coach. Can mm -hmm. you tell me what – I love that. Can you tell me what a resilience coach is? And can you mention that yeah. person by name or no? I'm, I'm fascinated no, by that. Yeah, his name is uh, Matt uh, Matthew. 
Calderoni. Um, but um, basically, you know, I basically uh, met him through my agency when I tore my pec. So I literally tore my pec bench pressing, and I was really down, bro. I was I was really down. I was a low point in my life because I was working my butt off. And you know, I tore my pec right before training camp, and then there was a chance that I could get released, which ended up ultimately happening. So my agency basically, you know, plugged me in with them. And he was just a stand-up guy as far as, you know, he didn't even charge me the first six months because he wanted me to just get my mind right in rehab and not even think about any payments or anything. And he just was just showing his belief in me. And, man, we just really started growing as far as my mindset. Like, that's what, that, that, that was ultimately what was holding me back. Like, I didn't change athletically over these two years. It was literally a mindset standpoint. And, you know, we, we, did, we did a lot of stuff, meditating, um, and just really controlling my energy and being strategic with my energy and focusing on myself internally instead of worrying about external things. And, man, things just started blossoming. I got to be honest. I'm going to be very real, DJ. I feel like that I've got this audience of millions and they want me to ask you about the team and the schedule and the matchups, mm -hmm. but I feel like it's just you and me talking. Like, I'm so fascinated yeah. by this. I mean, is there really something to be said that the game truly is played from the shoulders up or the neck up? Yes, bro. Like, obviously, you got to take care of your body. You got to, you know, make sure you're eating right and getting proper sleep. Obviously, to play at a high level, that's important, but... I think what separates guys that are elite, you know, like Tom Brady, you know, guys that are elite, I think it's the mindset. Um, talking to guys, you know, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but the elite guys, they have resilience coaches. They have mental coaches. Like, they do mental reps. Like, it's, it's only so much you can do physically because your body gets worn out during the season. So, like, just to have those mental reps and know, you know what's coming before it's coming. It's like playing chess against the guys you're playing. It separates people. Like, my thing is this, DJ, I talk, DJ Reed, my guest, I talk about, and I've hit on this on another podcast I do, the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. There's a physical gym. We all want to go to the physical gym. You have to create a mental gym and get in your reps mm -hmm. mentally. Like, let me ask you this. It's, it's one thing for you now to be in the NFL, and you got paid, and you have this opportunity, and you're a CB1. Easy to say now, but remember where you started. You and I have talked about this, mm -hmm. but for those who do not know, you were playing in college. You were sharing a two-bedroom apartment with seven or eight other people when you were at Cerritos College. When you think back then, what was your mindset then? And when you think about where you are right now, what kind of thoughts do you have about the journey? Yeah, my mindset back then was, I mean, it wasn't like how it is now, but it was still positive. But it was pretty much, when I was in JUCO, I kind of told myself, like, hey, I'm going to put the work in. I developed a schedule every day, like stretching in the morning, drinking a gallon of water, whatever the case may be. Obviously, couldn't eat as healthy just financially. I just made do with what I had. But um, the difference would be was I told myself in JUCO that, hey, if you don't get a scholarship out of JUCO, then, you know, you're probably just not good enough to play at the D1 level. So I told myself, you know, I'm going to give it all I got, and I'll see where the chips fall. And by the grace of God, I end up getting the offer. But the mindset was like, I put the work in, but it was it was more hopeful than actually being deliberate and doing things. Ah, I like it. All right, so let me ask you this before you go. We'll give them one football bit. Spent a lot of talk about Zach Wilson showing up, and he's looking bigger and he's looking stronger. <laughs> I know you're focused on your side of the ball and your job, but how much have you seen of him, and what kind of expect expectations do you have for him in year two? 
Yeah, man, that's my uh, that's my neighbor. He lives by me. That's my dog. But uh, yeah, man, Zach Zach's a leader, and um, he's very talented. I mean, when you watch him throw the ball, like <laughs> he makes crazy throws. So for him, you know, JD put the chess pieces around him. Like we just got you know Bryce, and then we got you know two tight ends in free agency, and then uh, <laughs> we got the receiver with the number ten pick. So I mean, he got the the weapons around him. So it's really up to him. They basically give him the keys and say, you know, make the motor run. But um, I think he's going to take a big leap this year just with um, getting more experience in the system and then, you know, not being a rookie. He's going to know the offense. So I think he's going to ball out. DJ Reed, my guest. All right, one last thought. I know that you've seen this guy on tape and you being CB1. They drafted Sauce Gardner, who I think is absolutely awesome, but what's your take? Do you feel like maybe the team has got a couple of CB1s, and how good can that secondary be right out of the gate? Yeah, man, I think we're very special. To, I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm not saying this to, you know, hype anybody up, but I think Sauce is a phenomenal football player. I think he's going to be really great. I think he's a Pro Bowl, All-Pro type of player. And um, same as Bryce Hall. I think Bryce Hall has a lot of, <laughs> untapped potential. I mean, those two; those are two guys that are six six foot plus, pro typical, and they could cover. Um, they play a little different, but um, I think our cornerback group is really good. I think um, our nickelback, uh, Mike Carter, is really good. I think he has a lot of untapped p- potential. That he's going to take a big step from his rookie year. So I mean, honestly, I mean, this is probably one of the most talented. Um, cornerback groups that I've been in just from doing like drills and OTAs and just from the classroom guys are really smart that's one thing that sauce impressed me with was how smart he was you know he was you know he knows routes he knows formations you know he got the defense really fast so you could tell that it's a reason why he was locking down receivers in college it wasn't just because he was just this dominant physical figure like he has a a great mental approach, and he knows football. He has a great IQ of the game. So that really impressed me. Dude, I accept this. I accept all this because you don't say things just to say things. I I think that's all fair. No, I buy that. I buy that, and I'm really interested to see how it plays out. He's a cornerback with the Jets. He signed that big deal in March. He earned everything that he has. Played his college ball at Kansas State. He was an All-American, an All-Conference player. My man, DJ Reed, dude, so good to get caught up with you. I love the energy. (laughs) I think it's always an inspirational conversation. I'm always better for it, man. So good to get caught up. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Jim, man. We're going we're gonna to chop it up another time for sure. With prices soaring at the pump, Discover has your back with Cashback. Use Discover to earn 5% cash back at gas stations and Target now through June on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to $75 cash back this quarter with Discovery Card. Limitations do apply. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards, discover.com slash rewards. His head is huge. He is functionally illiterate. He owns a car wash. He's building a dog wash adjacent to his car wash. And he pulls a full-time check working here while only actually working one day a week. Must be nice. Time for Big Head Bets with James Kelly. What's up, head? How you living? Wait, don't answer. Based on what I just laid out, pretty damn well, I would imagine. Yeah?
Yes, the energy was great. Yeah. Life's great until Justin Thomas just hit me with a big fat nine iron. So I was fantastic about ten minutes ago, but I'm still good, Jim. I'm still Lay good. Laid out. Here. What happened, dude? I was all over JT in his odds at like a plus five hundred, but now he's tied uh, Rory McIlroy for the lead at the PGA Championship right now. He just jammed my odds horribly. So we're trying to figure something out here, but we'll you have got, something. You got to bounce back, dude. You got to bounce, bounce back. back. You got to be yes. flexible. All right. So let's do this. I don't need to explain what this is by now. They know what you're about. Bouncing back, being resilient, getting down, and getting people paid yeah. because you are a big-headed savant. <laughs> Let's do this. Clones, get your crayons out. Mavericks v. Warriors, game two, the Warriors. Let's start right there. They did a tremendous job of locking up Luka. Safe to assume he's not going to go minus 30 yet again in this series. I know they lost game one in their previous series, Head. They're on the road, but I think it's a must win for the Mavericks myself. I do not see them beating this Golden State squad that's peaking at the right time four times in five games. What is the number that you're looking at, and how are you playing game two? The number is Golden State minus six uh, to your Luka bounce back point, Jim. He should be great tonight. Nobody in NBA playoff history bounces back better on offense than Luka does. Dude averages 34.3 points a game after a playoff L. That's better than MJ. That's better than the non-angry logo for best of all time, Jim. But I'm still riding with Golden State here and laying the six points. Golden State is so balanced. They have playmakers, shot makers, and better passers than Phoenix did. And their defense, they have multiple guys they could throw at Luka plus multiple looks. Luka. Also, against the spread numbers, Golden State is at its best as a home team here, and Dallas is at its worst actually as a road dog. Overall, the Mavericks are the third best team in the NBA against the spread, Jim. But here as an away underdog, they are 10-19 and on the season, hitting at 34 percent rate six isn't a great number but considering one playoff game in the last 13 have been decided by six or less let's go warriors minus six points here. interesting i was gonna say i know you had and i know you don't like that number but you make a strong case six is a big number all right so big. golden state big golden state Minus six. All right, let's talk some horse racing. After seeing the long shot Rich Strike go off at 80 to one and shock the world, you probably have a bunch of casual fans looking to hit the preakness, looking to see if he can do it again. But to the disappointment of many of those same casual fans, they're not going to run that horse back here. Instead, mm -hmm. they're going to choose to wait for the upcoming Belmont Stakes. What that means is the preakness, if you don't know horse racing or you don't follow this thing, it's going to look very, very different than the dirt. Be. You're going to have a much smaller field and a heavy favorite in epicenter. The question then is head. Don't take it the wrong way. Don't take it personally. But are you going to be a chalky, big-headed little bitch? Or are you going to try to beat the favorite? It would be easy to be a chalky, big-headed bitch here, Jim. Little bitch. Little bitch. Sorry. Little bitch here. But uh, Because epicenter is a damn good horse. But let's not be. Let's take some shots here. Early voting at plus 450, I like him. He's only ran three times. He won his first two races and then set the pace at the Wood Memorial where he took second after bitches. Mo Donical, a horse I absolutely love, ran him down in the stretch. But he's rested here after skipping the Derby, and his time uh, there was actually outstanding. Let's take him at plus 450 and a mid-long shot, not a rich strike, strike long shot. 
but creative minister at plus 1,000. He only has ran three times as well, and he hasn't even ran in a stakes race, but he was uh, very impressive in the mile and a 16th at the Derby weekend at Churchill Downs. His uh, Equibase speed figures, which is a big speed figure in horse racing, it was 108, and it's actually the highest among this entire field. You could get him at plus 1,000, so let's take two shots here. Early voting, plus 450. Creative Minister, plus 1,000. I actually use that speed figure whenever I see one of our horses run. Equibase, you mean? Yeah, Equibase. 108 is a big number. That big is a number. big number. I like that number. Yeah. All right, so common question here is, yes, the head kills it in the NFL, but does he really know anything else? And the answer is yes. We do multiple sports every single week in this segment, and we do pretty well talking in pretty much any sport we talk about, including golf. Now, you did start, and you were kind of butthurt and put off about how JT did you wrong by playing well, but you've done really well in golf, especially in the majors, so mm -hmm. let's hit the PGA Championship, nonetheless, obvious mm -hmm. storylines. Hefty did not show his face. Given how taxing it is on the guy, I'm not really sure why Tiger showed his face. But we're here to talk about who we can make some money off of. I know you're upset about JT. How are you approaching what's left of it? Yeah, because JT was just at plus 500. Now he's at plus 300. So I would only be able to use him as a hedge. So first off, Rory is the favorite at um, plus 300. JT is plus 320. So JT is now the second person. So if I want to take a hedge here, because I do love Justin Thomas. And remember, the weather conditions will change this weekend in Tulsa. It's going to be very, very windy. Justin Thomas usually plays very good. So I love well. Justin Thomas. Well, good. Well, damn it, I messed that up again. Every Start time, dude. Every single time. Consistent, Keep going. Jim. Sorry, you are, you are consistently illiterate. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll take Justin Thomas still at plus 320 and only one hedge. I'm going to hedge with Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith, let me see his number on my DraftKings uh, app right now. Plus 1,200. He's won two tournaments this year. Tied for third at the Masters. He, Masters. he hasn't teed off yet, but he is a few shots back. So let's going to go two people. JT at plus 320 and Cameron Smith at plus 1,200. All right, so sidebar, do you think that Rory, and Rory was playing really well coming in. Rory is a very, sh a very short number right now. Is Rory going to go Rory and find a way to choke? Or is he going to get it done? No, that's what I'm thinking. Choking. Three more uh, rounds of golf here. Weather conditions. Only t tied with JT are one shot ahead of him. I think he's going to choke. I don't think he's going to get it done. But he has been playing great too lately. So maybe. I mean, he, he should, right? I mean, he should finish here. So He should, but it's yeah. been a long time. All right, so listen, Head, I want to shout out to your biggest personal fan. And no, it's not me. Okay. Far from it. Your biggest fan is Bella B., Love she loves, and she loves you, she loves big head bets, and she loves when I taw really hockey. So let's taw some hockey. hockey. Do you care to hit any puck on the way out the door? Yeah, we'll hit some puck tonight. And if I'm not mistaken, she's a Calgary and Toronto fan. I'll take her flames tonight, Jim, in game two in the Battle of Alberta. Battle? What did you just do to that word, dude? Battle. Battle. Okay. Battle. Go ahead. Of Alberta on the money line. Flames. <laughs> So, first game, 15 goals were scored. It was the most Battle goals. Hawks. Battle Hawks. It was the most Dang, goals in Lewis a playoff Battle game Hawks. since 1993. 9-6, the Flames won. I'm still going to go the Flames here. This is like a Golden State v. Dallas thing. They are the better team, but Edmonton has Luka and Connor McDavid. But let's go Flames minus 175 on the money line. And let's go Rangers plus 150 against Carolina tonight. 
They let game one get away after dominating the first two periods, but uh, it should be a very low-scoring series. You have two teams that had the lowest goals against per game, average in the entire NHL playing here. Rangers got to be better on the faceoffs and the power play. Maybe they could draw some more penalties. Let's go New York Rangers plus 150. All right, so there is a ton of content that we just ran through. And before I let you go, I will have you recap it. But two things really quickly. I want to ask you about this. We don't get into this on air, but you've had a lot of success off-air betting in-game. It's not something that I've done a lot of, but it's becoming very prominent, obviously, in the genre. Let me ask you something. If you're watching, like, these bets you feel strongly about, but if you see something change within a game, will you change your bet or adjust accordingly within the game? And maybe can you float that out on Twitter to the clones so they can benefit from that as well? Have you thought about that? I could probably float some of my in-game out to the clones more than I do because I never do. I could do that. But usually the games that I do bet, uh, sometimes I'll double down on them. A lot of times if I don't like it before tip-off or, you know, ball uh, is thrown up in the air in the NBA, I'll play in-game there. Like last night I played at Boston at plus two and a half in-game. Usually I love in-game for NBA playoffs. But the last, like I said earlier, the 13 games, there's been an average of 22 Point four points per game that the teams won by. So in game, yes, in game has beat me a little bit there, but overall, usually I love playing that. But yeah, I could throw some. Stuff All right, so do that, do that, sure. try that. Let's see if that works. And maybe okay. just a bone or two in game. Clones follow the big head on Twitter to watch his live betting decisions. And also, how about a prop bet? The number, the over under on dogs you can wash the first day you open up that dog wash. <laughs> And where are we in terms of the construction of the dog wash? Waiting on the electrician still. Waiting on the electrician. Find <laughs> Waiting hard on to find the electrician yep. still. Of <laughs> course, dude. Yep. Hey, everybody's got a story about a dog wash contractor that screwed them. I'm sure you're no different. <laughs> All right, dude, really quickly, top to bottom, don't get in over your skis. Run it back. What are you hitting, and how are we going to get paid this weekend? All right, tonight, Golden State minus six against Dallas. Game two of the Western Conference Finals. Preakness Stakes tomorrow. Early voting plus 450 and Creative Minister plus 1,000. PGA, JT, Justin Thomas plus 320. Cameron Smith plus 1,200. And tonight in the NHL on the money line, Calgary minus 170. And the New York Rangers plus 150. The big head, James Kelly. Nice job, head. Have a great weekend. Let's get some money. Thanks, Jim. The big head, big head bets. Alvy's week that was. Hi, who's this? I was hoping to get some Disneyland tickets. I mean, I have a 10-year-old, and she's been begging, and I don't have money for it, so. Yeah, that's really sad. Well, everybody's kind of broke right now, especially with gas prices, so. And I love, I love, I listen every morning, so. I think you got the wrong number. Really? This is the show, right? No, no, that's not us. Ah! This is the Jim Rome Show. That is actually so true. What's going on? Welcome to the program. My name is, in fact, Jim Rome. I am, in fact, live. I am, in fact, in Southern California. From Southern California. Thank you, Alvin. You're welcome. Why don't we start first with some action from the association? Christopher Emmanuel Paul. Let's get right to the real on a Monday. The point God is the choke God. I'm not sure I've seen a worse performance on a big stage ever. Guys all up in here, browning their drawers, puking the bed. It's on the point God. 
because this dude could not control anything last night. Vincent Goodwill. You were there. What the hell happened to the Suns? A choking is like missing free throws, right? That's like Carl Malone. These guys just didn't show up. There was something wrong with that team. Jim, almost from the moment that they stepped on the floor. My passion was always football, but I didn't realize my passion was playing football. <laughs> There is no one I would rather hear right now than Jameis Winston. And Jim, I got to take you to task a little bit. Roll off of Jameis a little bit, man. What are you talking about, Thomas? Dude, I'm taking up for him. I love the guy. Unbelievable. Mike Ruff is my guest. People that aren't sports fans are probably like, get a life. I actually had the weekend off. I ordered an absolute ton of wings yesterday, sat around and watched some Game 7. What a way to spend your weekend. Let's go to Jersey. Brandon. Mark, maybe for you, a bidet and a duvet serve the same function? We're Matt in L.A. using a public water fountain as a duvet. And you can't squeeze that crap paste back into the tube, dude. Who are you, dude? And how do you know so much about the show? Alan Shipnook. That's the irony of Phil, you know, accusing me of using some of this material that was off the record, which it never was. It never would have been because I would have pushed back. I know so much that's not in the book. I had agreed I, I won't use it or the sourcing people won't put their name on. I really did feel a lot of solids in the reporting of this book. Email. I was way in over my skis. Signed, Sonny. War, I got trunk, babe. I got trunk, babe. It, you know what? Still too soon. I got trunk, babe. Run into people and see who falls down first. They will run into you until you fall down and then flex on everybody. It's for you and both of your arms. With their sleeveless numbers. Hero is more than a sandwich. Mark, don't, don't do, that. do that. The second pick will be made by the Oklahoma City Thunder. And that means that Jamal the first Mosley pick- is my guest. And then when they said, okay, see, it was just like, it hit. It really hit. And then I just, you know, big smile came across. Just something very special. Now it's time for the beef. People that wear their clothes so tight, you can see every dimple in their ass. Loose knuckle camel toe. JD, what's your beef? JD, you're on the air. What's your beef? Oh, yeah, this is uh... Lafayette, Louisiana is our next stop. Charles. Yeah, this is Lafayette, Indiana. But, my bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm... Uh, I'm sorry, bro. Micah Hyde is my guest. We live in Orchard Park. 15 minutes away and it's shocking super sad and you just you just don't you can't even really put it into words and then every player both these team. dudes are acting like their programs are absolutely perfect Go dig into wherever he's been pristine some people think they're god neither of them have done anything wrong we didn't buy one player let's say about these two dudes i don't cheat and i don't lie him on his high horse it's a match race between the two of these guys maybe somebody should have slapped him he is rex this is first time in Lane Kiffin's life that he's been speechless. You have these two titans going to war. It's amazing. It's despicable. Write that down. Know your room. Your room is the planet. Wow, the fire started. He drove into the gas line, man. Freaking house exploded. Hey, Bill, try and work that in. I I didn't say that. The scoreboard reads, me, 30 rack calls, you won. Jarvis Landry is my guest. Man, we could be special. Learn from each other, play for each other, make the plays that come to us. Each guy, myself, Mike. You know, we're going to make things happen. Justin Thomas usually plays very good, so I love well. Justin Thomas. Well, damn it, I messed that up again. You are consistently illiterate. DJ Reed is my guest. What's good, Jim? I appreciate the introduction, man. You made me sound like I'm about to be in the Hall of Fame. Don't you want to rock me? Not at all. Hook, line, and sinker. You can't eat a burger and go play a game. Can't wait to start. Smacking off. He was moving them puppies tonight. I go, no tipping, tipping. Bob Truax, who burned up Gus Grissom. Attain the hip. Screw all of you equally and super hard. It's a 
Dynasty clones. Thank you so much, brother Jim. I appreciate you, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Jim. So grateful for you having me on. Like I told you last time, anytime. Can I have a drug test, please? Shalom. No boo on you. No boo on me. No I got you. I know what you make. We're done. Good night now. Good stuff, Alvi. Good, good stuff. Southeast Wisco. Chris. What's going on, Chris? How are you? I'm good, Jim. How you doing, dude? Good, dude. Hey, say, listen, man, I heard some young punk call the show earlier this week. I believe he was a rookie clone, I think, out of New Jersey. But he's just another punk, pathetic knob trying to make the jump from insignificant Twitter bust-out to the big stage and bright lights of the smack-off. The little dude was feeling himself and decided to put his plums on the table for the first time in his entire life. He then managed to weasel his way past Tommy D., by referencing my dynasty. But the poor little bastard doesn't even understand the meaning of the word, Jim. I have in the neighborhood of 30 rack calls in less than two years. Are you listening, Boris or Brandon in Jersey, or whatever your name is? But I defer to Stucknut to fact-check my claim. If accurate, I would say that justifies as a dynasty, you Jersey-ass clown. Some quick advice for you, new dude. Calm your nerves and start by cleaning off mom's spaghetti from your Lucky Charms T-shirt that you nervously puked all over during your first-time call. Get your clout-chasing candy ass back up in here. You are a watch-lister. Nothing more, nothing less. Get some more reps in, and let's see if you have what it takes to make the biggest of stages on June 24th. As for now, brother, the scoreboard reads me, 30 rack calls, you won. Jim, consider this my RSVP to smack up 28. This year will be year two for me, and nobody is off limits. Let me stress, nobody. Lastly, Jim, you'll be elated to hear I had a Zoom call with Richie Baltus and his team yesterday. They love the idea of you naming one of your Colts, throw hips, not hands. You asked if I coined that phrase? Of course I did, man. I'm not only a powerful clone, Jim, I'm also a generous one. That was my personal gift from me to you and the bros over at Jungle Racing. Jim, you already know, brother. But for those that don't, it's a dynasty, clones. Rob in Reno trying to make the jump from voicemail to live air on the daily. My man, Rob, what's up? I was working as a driver back in 2001 when I found you. I turned you on, I checked it out, got to know the show. It was something new. The mornings we have had have been such good times. I still like you. But now I think it's time I made a call on my own. I guess it's just what I must do. Don't you want to rack me? That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. No. Not a very good call. Not at all. Good night now!